Section 8 of England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia as the narrator. Alan Mapstone as Cymbeline. Jim Locke as Lucius. Devorah Allen as Queen. And Thomas Peter as Clotten. The World's Story, Volume 9, England, edited by Eva March Tappan, Section 8, A Messenger from Rome, 43 A.D., by William Shakespeare. Cymbeline, or Cunobelinus, was a grandson of Cassivellaunus. So much of a foundation has Shakespeare for his Cymbeline. The rest of the play is purely imaginative. Whenever Caesar overcame a tribe, it was his custom to demand that tribute be paid to him. In the following scene, Caius Lucius, a messenger from the Roman emperor, has come to the court of Cymbeline in 43 AD to demand that the tribute which the king had of late left untendered shall be paid. The Editor Scene 1. Britain. A room of state in Cymbeline's palace. Enter at one side Cymbeline, Queen, Cloten, and Lords. At the other, Caius Lucius and attendants. Now say, what would Augustus Caesar with us? When Julius Caesar, whose remembrance yet lives in men's eyes, and will to ears and tongues be theme and hearing ever, was in this Britain and conquered it, Cassibelan, thine uncle, famous in caesar's praises no whit less than in his feats deserving it for him and his succession granted rome a tribute yearly three thousand pounds which by thee lately is left untendered and to kill the marvel shall be so ever there be many caesars ere such another julius britain is a world by itself and we will nothing pay for wearing our own noses. That opportunity which then they had to take from us to resume, we have again. Remember, sir, my liege, the kings your ancestors, together with the natural bravery of your isle, which stands, as Neptune's park, ribbed and pale in, with rocks unscalable and roaring waters, with sands that will not bear your enemies' boats, but suck them up to the topmast, a kind of conquest, Caesar made here, but made not here his brag, of came and saw and overcame. With shame, the first that ever touched him, he was carried, from off our coast, twice beaten, and his shipping, poor ignorant baubles, on our terrible seas, like eggshells moved upon their surges, cracked, as easily against our rocks, for joy whereof, the famed Cassabellan, who was once at point, O oh, giglet fortune, to master Caesar's sword, made Lud's town with rejoicing fires bright, and Britain strut with courage. Come, there's no more tribute to be paid. Our kingdom is stronger than it was at that time, and, as I said, there is no more such Caesar. Other of them may have crooked noses, but to owe such straight arms, none. Son, let your mother end. We have yet among us can gripe as hard as Cassabelan, I do not say I am one, but I have a hand. Why tribute? Why should we pay tribute? If Caesar can hide the sun from us with a blanket, or put the moon in his pocket, we will pay him tribute for light. 
else, sir. No more tribute, pray you now. You must know, till the injurious Romans did extort this tribute from us, we were free. Caesar's ambition, which swelled so much that it did almost stretch the sides of the world, against all colour here, did put the yoke upon us, which to shake off becomes a warlike people, whom we reckon ourselves to be. We do. Say then to Caesar, our ancestor was that Mormutius which ordained our laws, whose use the sword of Caesar hath too much mangled, whose repair and franchise shall by the power we hold be our good deed, though Rome be therefore angry. Mulmutius made our laws, who was the first of Britain, which did put his brows within a golden crown, and called himself a king. I am sorry, Sibylline, that I am to pronounce Augustus Caesar, Caesar that hath more kings his servants than thyself, domestic officers, thine enemy. Receive it from me then. War and confusion in Caesar's name pronounce I gainst thee. Look for fury not to be resisted. End of section eight. This recording is in the public domain.